the book of Acts chapter 1, and we are going to read the word of the Lord in verse number 8. Jesus is getting ready to leave their sight, and he said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria, and I'm really glad he said this part, and unto Anderson, Indiana. It's the uttermost part. You are part of the uttermost. I'm glad that what he did in Jerusalem is still overflowing to Anderson today. Praise God. And so we're a part of that. And when he spoke those things, while they beheld, while they were standing there watching, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Why did he do that? Because this is the preview picture of what's going to happen when a cloud comes back and receives us. Anybody want to go? Amen. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven. Boy, this makes me want to shout, and it's not even what I'm preaching. Which is taken up from you into heaven is going to come just like he left. He shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now, this was the exciting part. This is when things got really, really exciting. They had had a divine visitation. This was after 40 days of infallible proofs. 40 days. He had been with them for 40 days. They had seen incredible things happen. He was not the way that he was before his resurrection. He was so changed that even men walking with him on Emmaus were talking to him about him and did not know who he was. Then opened he their understanding to the scripture, and they knew. Isn't it something that revelation of scripture is what gives you revelation of him? Come on. And so now he's, he's finished with his infallible proofs. His earthly ministry has come to an end, and he's leaving them. They have seen the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It's really not about how inspired we get while he's talking. It's what we do with what he said when he's finished. The Bible said that he disappeared from them. And verse 12 said, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And then after this, we know it gets really, really good. They enter into an upper room. But I want to talk to you today about something that's very obscure in this verse. It's like if you're not looking, you just miss it. It's a principle that I've preached some through the years, but I felt this so heavy this morning when I walked in. As we're reading through here, because it's so obscure and you only see it one time, literally in the whole New Testament, you only see this language one time in the 12th verse. Because we're focused on what they're doing, we're not really focused on the fact of how far they went and the scripture said there was a measure that they used it was a sabbath day's 
journey. I'm going to preach to you today that it matters where you build your house. It matters where you build your house. You may be seated in Jesus' name. In Mark chapter 8, in Mark chapter 8, in verse number 34, Jesus is speaking pretty intense to his disciples. And he makes a very powerful case, in my opinion, for what true Christianity is. If you, if you would observe, and I, got, I, I guess I just preface this one time, and I'm not going to say it again, but I'm going to preface this one time. I don't believe that the grand picture of modern religion is what Jesus had in mind when he left. And he said, you're going to have power after the Holy Ghost comes on you. I, I, don't, I don't believe God's idea of a powerful end-time church were social and community clubs. I believe his idea was a world-impacting church that would make a difference in the lives of people, that would preach that Jesus died to save you from your sin, not leave you in your sin and give you a good cup of coffee while you stay there. So just, just stay with me. But modern religion speaks so, so deeply to an idea that really Calvary was just to make us comfortable. And that Jesus' ministry was for us to just be chilled and relax. And you've heard me say it often if you've been around this church and this ministry. The doctrine of happiness is preached everywhere. God just wants you to be happy. If you break his law, break his law. If you deny his name, then deny his name. But you must be happy. Whatever happens in your life, you've got to be happy. If that means that you reject your family and you, you, you disembrace and disembow all the things that you have loved and known to be true, but you're happy doing it, then by all means, do that. I, I, I have to be careful how I say what I say today. I don't want to come across in the wrong way. Bishop and my mother and my, my daughter Lauren will understand some conversations that we had on the road yesterday. But I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, there are just some things that God is not willing to change his mind on. And one of those things is that his people are going to be holy people. They're going to be separate people. They're going to be distinct people. And we're not just going to be distinct in the way that we talk. We're going to be distinct in the way that we live. I want to tell you that the end time church is not about theatrics. The end time church is not about emotionalism. The end time church is not about making people feel good. The end time church is absolutely not about how, how posh we can make it and how plush we can make it. And, and we want everybody, listen, I'm telling you, inclusivity is killing us. We've got to let people know there is a difference in living for God. Oh, it's going to take me a minute to grind in here this morning. Uh, some time ago, I had a preacher friend. I'll be as vague with this as I can. I had a preacher friend that was, was in the area, and he went down. Uh, I guess I could say it. It was not something sworn to secrecy by any means. But uh, Christ Temple in Indianapolis that... Bishop Haywood used to pastor. Bishop G.T. Haywood was the pastor there. Uh, 
my friend stopped by that church and he talked to one of the elders that was standing there at the church and uh, he said, you know, I've been in this area all my life and I've never received a tour of, of the building. He says, is it possible that I could see, that I could see the building? And he said, man, come on in. I'll, I'll take you and show you around. And so he started walking him around and he showed him how the platform used to sit. You know, that, all that changed. It reversed that. And he showed him this is kind of where you used to come in. And Bishop, his office was over here. And that, that's, that all matters because... When Bishop Haywood wrote, I see a crimson stream of blood, he had been shut in his office for three days. And he came out, walked to the pulpit, opened up his mouth. And he said, on Calvary's hill of sorrow, where sin's demands were paid, waves of hope for tomorrow across our paths were laid. I see a crimson stream of blood. That matters to us. Because that song wasn't written around a table with a bunch of people trying to make the next dollar on a good song. It was written in a session of prayer and fasting, not which would be a top hit on the radio. Come on, somebody. What producer could I get to pick it up? He didn't care. Raise a hope for tomorrow. We're not about a production company. Raise of hope for tomorrow was about a sinner who was lost and confused and dazed. And he said the blood can make a difference in your life. Anybody here still believe that today? We've got conferences telling people don't preach about the blood, don't sing about the blood, don't talk about the blood. The blood is not what people need to hear. I'm telling you, the blood is what this world needs to hear. The blood is the only thing that will save your soul. The blood is the only thing that will pick you up and bring you out. Oh, I feel the preacher walking in here right now. The blood is what's going to make the difference in whether or not you make it or you miss it. And so... My, my pastor friend was walking around and the old elder in the church, and I, I don't say that disrespectfully, he was, a, he was an older man, and they were, they were standing there together and he said he just kind of got quiet and he, he looked over at my friend and tears filled his eyes and he said, it ain't the same as it used to be. He said, what do you mean? And he said, with tear-filled eyes, he looked at me, he said, it's just different, brother. He said, we've got more sin on the platform than Bishop used to have in the pew. And so we have stretched ourselves to this idea that success is, uh, can I say this as kindly as I can, that success is how many rear ends you have in seats. That's not success. Success is how many people have realized that the only hope for their life is Jesus. Are, are, are you preaching to people that the only hope for their life and the only hope for this world is Jesus? If you've got to find some other means to work, that's fine. If you've got to find some help along the way, that's fine. But the center of it all is Jesus. There is no substitute for that. There is no program for that. There is nothing you can do that will make a difference like Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus said, I'm convinced that if, if, if a lot of folks preach like Jesus, some folks would get mad and wouldn't come back. If you think Jesus would just stand around and put up with all the stuff that we got going on in this world, not say anything, you've lost your ever-loving mind. We wouldn't know what to do with the Apostle Paul. 
I mean, what would we do with preachers that walked into a convention of preachers and said, you guys ain't nothing but a bunch of vipers. You're a bunch of snakes. You're a bunch of money-hungry charlatans. All you, all you care about is a tithe base. All you care about is money. All you care about is how many's in the seat. What I want to know is how many's going to heaven. What I want to know is how many's rapture ready. What I want to know is how many have repented of their sins and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins and been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what matters. And if you don't think that matters, then send me a thousand dollars and I will send you a bottle of holy water that you can sprinkle around your house. Praise God. If you don't mind today to be a blessing, send me a thousand dollars and I've got this bottle of oil for you. I'm like, bruh. I, I think I think I'll just go get the oil in my house and say, devil, get out. Come on. I don't need something that 15 TV preachers have prayed over. I want something that somebody with power believes. Our God is still able to do anything. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel good this morning. And so we, we present this Jesus that is this cuddly, beautiful, little teddy bear. That wants everybody to be happy. And you can tell the ignorance in the signs that you see. People walking around. Jesus would not judge. Folks, I hate to bust the bubble. He is the judge. It's not whether or not he would. I'm thankful he's withheld his judgment. Because when judgment day comes, he is the one that's judging. All of the foolishness, oh, Jesus would not, Jesus don't judge people. Yes, he does. He is the judge. And that's why he gave us his word. Because we're going to be judged by him through this word that he gave us and this is what it comes down to are you living in alignment with the word or are you living in alignment with happy doctrine yeah but I, I, I want to be somewhere where where I've got a voice in what we preach you do you can either say amen or oh me that's the choice we've got I've had things preached at me that I didn't really like hearing it preached. May have stepped on my old toes a little bit. But I thank God for the preacher that would stand up without fear or favor of men and say this is the word and this is what we live by and this is what we die by and this is what we're judged by. I want the word of God. I've already come this far. Listen, if this is your first time here and you don't know me, I'm a really kind person. I'm a loving person. But I want to tell you, I am fed up with fake religion. 
I, I'm, I'm so fed up with fake religion. I'm so tired of preachers having no backbone. I'm so tired of spineless leaders going along with the governments of this world and going along with the spirits of the age of this world and acting like everything's all right. Give me somebody that'll stand up in this generation and declare the word of the Lord. I watched this goofy woman this week stand up in front of Congress. Goofy, goofy woman. Said, me being a woman of faith. Me being a woman of faith. She said, I believe that the choice ought to be left up to that woman, that God, and her doctor. I'm talking about goofy people. If you believe that, you have lost your mind. Listen, if it's contrary to the word, I don't care who votes on it or who says yes or who says no. If it's in the book, we better stand on it. And we will never acquiesce to the gods of this world trying to get us to give our babies to Molech. Ain't going to happen. Yeah, but they, they need to be happy. You know, it's probably made some people not very happy, but I, I'm going to keep preaching it because I believe it. I, I believe it, and I'm going to tell you what I believe. You've heard me say it from this pulpit. Pro-choice people are not pro-choice. They're not pro-choice. They're anti-consequence. It's, listen, you made your choice when you had unprotected intercourse. That was the choice. Now you're going to have to live with some things. I saw this, this poor lady, and I do have great sympathy for her. She's an actress the other day. And she made this statement with remorse in her heart. She said, at this point, it doesn't matter how many children I have. She said, I will forever weep over the children that I did not have. She said the pressure of being an actress and being in Hollywood that was put on her that if you carry that baby, you're going to lose your role in this film. She said, I let the pressure of that rest on me. And it doesn't matter how many I have. I will always grieve the ones that I did not have. I'm telling you what we need today. We need the children that are being indoctrinated in this age that you get to choose yourself. We need those children to hear the stories of broken people who said somebody let me make that choice and I've regretted it for the rest of my life my mother was telling me I, I don't know the source I, I, I wasn't I didn't hear it but uh, my mother was telling me about an interview she saw this week of a of a young lady who uh, when she was little she made the choice to make her crossover and they removed her her breasts and 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 mutilated her genitals and now she's a full grown woman and she was distressed she said I'll, I'll never be normal again I'll never have a family I'll never have children I regret it I regret it I regret it listen we need to let this world know that it is possible to live your life so full of regret I'm not saying you're not going to make mistakes but Jesus came so that we can live a life without regret I want to remind somebody this morning you are beautiful to God you are created in his image you were formed after his likeness you are beautiful to God 
Do not let this world try to make you something that they want you to be. You belong to God. If you've been filled with his spirit and you've been baptized in his name, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. You were purchased with the blood of Jesus. Uh, somebody shout amen. amen. Well, I found a church that'll let me do that. Good. I'm going to tell you that preacher's going to stand before the same God I'm going to stand before. And we're going to be judged by the same word. But let me tell you what Jesus said. Not, I'm not talking about TBN. I'm talking about Jesus said in Mark chapter 8. The Bible said Jesus said Mark 8 and 34 when he'd called his the people unto him with his disciples also he said unto them. Now don't, don't let this frustrate you or hurt you today because I'm just going to read what he said. I know you may not like the way Jesus would preach it, but I, I'm going to tell you what he said. It's going to be familiar to me. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. I just want you to know he was not addressing Lucifer. He was addressing the spirit of man that was trying to stop what he was doing. I mean, how would you feel if you came up and said, Pastor, I have some concerns about the sacrifice you called us to. And I just looked at you, get behind me, Satan. I probably wouldn't like that. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I've been called some pretty rough things in my life. But Satan's not one of them, you know. He said, get behind me, Satan, because you savor the things of men. I wish, we could, I wish we could get that right there. You savor the things of men. And the things of men are contrary. This is, this is the, the contextual language. The things of men and the things of God, they're polar opposites. You can't, you can't love both of those. And the scripture said that he said to them, his disciples also, whosoever, now see if this sounds popular to you, will come after me. So what's he implying here? You're going to follow after Jesus. Everybody on the same page? You're going to follow after Jesus. He said, so whoever's going to come follow after me. This is tough right here. Let him deny himself and let him take up his cross and follow me uh, so so what about where is that where is that uh, where is that one scripture that said uh, Jesus don't judge that's one that's the one I want I, I'm looking for the one that says God wants us all to be happy. That's, that's the scripture I'm looking for. But when I started looking for it, the one that I found, he said, if you're going to follow after me, you're going to deny. You're going to deny yourself and you're going to take up your cross and you're going to follow me. He said, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. We could say like this, if you love yourself most, <laughs> that's your, you, see, you guys liked the other part better, didn't you? 
These red letters, I'm telling you, they're difficult. When you, start, when you start reading this red stuff, man, I'm like, come on, God, give me a break. What happened to me being happy? If you love yourself, he said, then you're going to lose that life. But whosoever shall lose his life. See, that's a problem. I don't, I don't, like, I don't like churches that are legalist. You know, people use that word and don't even know what it means. They really don't. It's kind of like a, a quid, quid pro quo. I'll do this if you'll do this. But we get it backwards because we say, God, I'll do this if you'll do this. And the biblical principle is God said, if you do this. Yeah, but, but see, that's not fair because that makes, Jesus, that makes Jesus sound legalist. You know, by definition, that's exactly what it is. Jesus said, if you're going to live for me, people are going to see a difference because you're going to be a self-denier. And you're going to lose yourself. And you're going to seek after me. And he said, if you'll lose your life, not, not for your own sake. He said, if you'll lose your life for my sake. Uh, this, one, this one's tough right here. I think, can you, can you see that, Brother Stephen? What's that? For, his, for my sake and for what? For the, for the gospel? Oh, so not just so I can be a friend of Jesus, but because it matters what you preach. And it, and it matters what you teach. I'm, I'm talking about for the sake of the gospel. Well, what is the gospel, Pastor? I can tell you this. The apostles felt so strongly about it. They said, I don't care if it's a man or an angel. If they preach any other gospel than that which we have preached unto you, then let him be accursed. Folks, there's only one gospel. And Jesus said, if you're going to love the gospel, you're going to have to lose your life. In verse 36. This is, this is way easier to read than it is to live. What shall it profit a man? If he gain the cosmos, the whole world, and lose his soul. Now I'm going to tell you something. This is not like dollars and cents. But I've heard people say before that there's no telling what a soul's worth. Okay? You heard anybody say that? Like, I mean, the, the value of a soul. There's no way to put value on a soul. Let me tell you how Jesus put value on a soul. He said, if you get everything in the whole world and you lose your soul, you've lost everything. How much value is there to a soul? Well, let me start by saying this. Take everything in the world. And you, you still, you still, you're in the negative. Uh, yeah, yeah, but the, I mean, you're talking about the souls of humanity. No, he said, what does a prophet, a man? Solo, by himself. One, one soul, one soul. If he gains everything in the world, but he loses his His own, his own soul, 
Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, I stand before you humbled today by the blessings and favor of God. But I can't stand before you and tell you how I feel about what every church in America preaches. But I can stand before you and tell you, I know what we'll preach in this church. I, I don't know. I'm not saying this to be ugly. I'm not saying this to put, a, to, to, to put some kind of a, uh, what do they call that thing on Superman's back that flops in the wind? What do they call that? Cape, yeah. I ain't trying to put a cape on my back or an S on my chest. But I'm just going to tell you this. I believe what the Word says. And I'm not looking to tie myself to somebody who's wanting to compromise what the Word says so that people feel more comfortable. Can, can I just go ahead and throw this out there and ask you this question? How many people do you think were really comfortable at the foot of the cross when they were beating Jesus to death and there was a crown of thorns on his head and blood ran down his face and ran down his back and dripped on the ground? How many people do you think were comfortable when they thrust the spear into his side and blood and water? Is it really about my comfort or is it about my salvation? If I can say this today and not be misconstrued, because I know somebody would love to, but I'm going to tell you, this is always going to be a bloody church. It's always going to be a bloody church. Because when the tricks and the plots and the ploys that we use to attract people loses its power, I'm reminded that the blood will never... The blood will never... Lose its power. So Jesus starts his ministry by calling people close. Listen. The prerequisite of following with Jesus for three and a half years. Was you must abandon everything else and follow me. We don't like that. I don't know how many of you have followed the storylines at all of how all this works, but I'm telling you, there were probably some ticked off people. When they, these guys left their homes, when they didn't show up at the funeral they were supposed to go to because Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. And somebody looked around and said, Where, where's he at? I, I guess he's following after that rabbi, but I don't know. He told me he was leaving. He wasn't going to come back until he was done. And then when they think it's about over, he starts sending them out two by two. And he says, now you go do what I've shown you to do. And they're like, what? Folks, listen to me. I want this to get down in your spirit today. This is not about picking priorities for our family based on what church has the coolest children's program. The neatest youth chapel. I want to I go someplace that's like cutting edge. I, I, I want to be somewhere that's like, man, they're on the front of all the technology. You know what I want to do? I want to go to a place that if all the technology fails, you still have revival. I, I want to go somewhere that if, if they don't even have a sound system, people are still getting baptized in Jesus' name. Filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want to go somewhere that if they sit on two by fours instead of padded pews, that they stand up and get the Holy Ghost. 
This was the call of the Messiah. Come away. Come away. Come away. Come away. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe, but like, that, you know, that's just, that's just kind of like different because God really, God didn't really do that in the Old Testament. You know, he really did do that in the Old Testament. That's how this whole thing started. Father Abraham, he showed up to Abraham and he said, come on, let's go. Where am I going? I'll tell you when we get there. Uh, should I tell my family? He said, come after me, leave her. And when you get out here and follow me, I'll show you the place where you're going. So he lives until the seed is fulfilled. And he's got a son named Isaac. And he finally gets Isaac, lives with him for probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 26 to 30 years. And he's walking along with Isaac. And the Lord said, all right, I want him back. <laughs> that, was my pro- that, that, that was my promise there, God. He said, yeah, okay, take him. He said, where am I going to take him? He said, you start walking that way and I'm going to show you the place. He didn't know for three days. He said, just keep, walk, keep on walking. Boy, I'm so thankful God doesn't require anything of us. I know I sound like I'm being facetious this morning. But, Bishop, you may have to come put a little butter on this. I'm so tired of fake. Yo, I'm, I'm being honest with you. I'm saying this with all the love I can. I am sick of empty. I, I, I'm fed up. I'm fed up. I'm fed up with faithless religion. I'm fed up with the spirit of religiosity. Oh God, I hope you hear my heart today. I'm fed up with people saying, I'll I'll take what part of God I want and give him what's left over and everything's going to be all right when the trumpet sounds. Listen, if you don't put him first now, don't expect him to put you first when the trumpet sounds. Come on, I'm in rare form this morning, but I came to preach. I came to save somebody's life in this room this morning. He loved you so much that he gave you an option. You do not have to die in your sin. I know what some people think. I really do. Brother Snow, I know what some people think. They think I wait till certain people get here and then start preaching based on who shows up. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know you were going to be here at 4 a.m. But I did feel something in my spirit this morning at about 4 o'clock in the morning that said, boy, get up and preach this morning. Get up and tell somebody. they got to seek first the kingdom. Get up and tell somebody they're going to serve the Lord. Hey, you may find a worship center that'll give you more options. But can I give you the only options that are in the Bible? You're either saved or you're lost. You're either in or you're out. You either make it or you miss it. I don't know what time I started, but I'm trying to hurry. I started with you today in the book of Acts, first chapter. And I read to you the language you only see one time. One time, one time in all the New Testament, he walked the Sabbath day's journey. Luke was more than likely the author of the book of Acts, is what we believe. Luke, I don't know what else he had going for him, but the rascal had a cool name. For those of you that don't know me, I am Pastor Luke St. Clair. (laughs) And the old physician, Luke, said, That when they left what Jesus had told them, 
there was a marker. This was a place that they had been before. And he said, from the Mount of Olives back to Jerusalem, why didn't he just say it was like two kilometers? Why, why didn't he say it was a half a mile? He said it was about a Sabbath day's journey. You know what was on his mind when he left? He said the same thing that was on my mind while he was here. We're going to abide within some confines. People don't like this word, so let me just throw it out. And some rules that were established for our own good. Oh, my, my, my. Man, I had y'all with me just a minute ago when I was preaching about dirty politicians. But now I'm preaching to you about dirty Christians. Jesus said they profess me with their mouth, but their heart is. Ah. Musicians, please come. We're dismissed this morning. It's only used one time in Acts 1 and 12. Sabbath day's journey. But let me tell you, just because it wasn't recorded anywhere else in the New Testament doesn't mean they didn't talk the language. It's so powerful to me that these are the words that Luke chose to use when they walked from the Mount of Olives back into Jerusalem. How far do you think it is? It's about a Sabbath day's journey. How far is a Sabbath day's journey? You know. You, you know. You, you know. The Sabbath day's journey, guys, is like, that was the, the restrictions, the rules that were, that, that, that was set up. I, I know people hate that. I know they hate that, that, that language. Rules. Oh, No. Not rules. Anybody here work a job? Brother McLean, how hot were the bottles that came through? Like, how hot do you think that was? 800 degrees. And the rules are, don't touch. I mean, my man, my man lived his life around hot bottles. And he's like, you, 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 don't, you don't want to touch that. <laughs> Who you think you are to tell me? You know how I know he didn't touch it? Because when he raises his hand, he's got. You know how you know when people are obedient? Because there's fruit. You can just look at them and tell. They're cool with it. They're, they're good with it. And you can look at it and tell when they're struggling with it. Because they walk around and they're like, why am I always healing? Why am I always having to recover? Because you're touching things that break you. I don't know what it's going to take to get my kids to live for God. Raise them every day in the house of the Lord. Pastor, I'm so glad Jesus came along and abolished the law. Me too. Oh, wait, he didn't. Do you know where Luke gets the language of a Sabbath day's journey? Can I share it with you? In Joshua chapter 3 and verse 4, this is what we know. The Sabbath day's journey was approximately 2,000 cubits from one's house to the tabernacle or the temple or to the synagogue where they worship. So where did he just get this random Random number. Well, it's not random. 
in Joshua chapter 3 and verse number 4, Joshua said to them that I want you to keep a distance between your, ta- your, your tabernacle, your tent, and God's tabernacle, about 2,000 cubits. Oh, so this wasn't just like random. So God just doesn't do random stuff. Listen, it was established in the kingdom of Israel before they were a kingdom. Before they were a people. They were in the wilderness. And the Lord said, I want your house, your temporary dwelling, within 2,000 cubits of the tabernacle. And he took all 12 tribes. And in order to do that, in order to do that, he had to take all 12 tribes and let them surround the tabernacle. Quite technically, if you really want to be honest, since God's so random, it's kind of neat. If you look at the 12 tribes as they surrounded the tabernacle, it wasn't a random circle either. If you look at the 12 tribes, the way they surrounded it, if you went straight up in the air with a drone and took a picture down on the tabernacle, you got from, from the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant all the way out to the altar of sacrifice, and then inside the holy place, you've got the table of shoe bread on the right, and you've got the golden lampstand on the left. It's amazing. The tabernacle was set in the shape of a cross. The 12 tribes, they were around the tabernacle, 2,000 cubits in the shape of a cross. I'm so glad he just decided last minute he was going to pick up a cross and carry it up the hill. You know what was on his mind from the foundation of the world? I I, I had a guy send me a, a, a text the other day. I don't know why I get these weird texts. I tracked him, Brother Jordan. This guy sent me a text. I guess he was trying to find a sermon. He said, you know, I watched this interesting video. What if Jesus wasn't actually crucified on a cross? It's going to be a long day. I said, then it'd be really difficult to make the cross of Christ of none effect, wouldn't it? (laughs) They're trying to dismember everything. Because it just makes sense. So where did they get this number, the Sabbath day's journey? Here it is. You guys ready? I'm almost done preaching. You can let a big sigh of relief. Your roast is not going it's, it's to burn. Listen. He said, if I'm going to take you through this wilderness, there's going to be some boundaries that are in your life. And everything you do will revolve Around the house of God. Everything. I'm talking about everything. When you wake up, you're looking at it. When you back into your tent, you go to go to bed, close the door. There it is. Your pillar of fire is still there. Pillar of cloud. <laughs> Good to see it there this morning. You know how you know it's there? Because it's the first thing you look at when you open your tent door. I'm so thankful that he didn't let some of them point their tent door towards Hollywood. Let some of them turn in the direction of Greece and Hellenism. Say, if that's what you like, just look that way. If if that's really what you want. I'm glad some of those tents weren't set in the direction of of that big, big Roman Empire. Isn't that something? 
He said, listen, every, everything that I'm going to establish in your life, it's going to be established around the house of God. And it's going to be established around the presence of God. And nothing changes that. Folks, I, I, I'm not here to be ugly and I'm not here to say you're short. But this is what he said. He said, if your house is not in the direction of the house of the Lord, then you're not in the number. Man, I thought at least five people would say amen to that. So what you're saying is then like it really matters to God. What I'm saying to you is God did not give them the option to build their lives and then see how close they were to the house of God. The measuring mark started at the house of God. The house of God was not, and this is not just semantics, the house of God was not 2,000 cubits from their house. Their house was within 2,000 cubits of the house of God. You understand what I'm saying? The measurement of financial gain was the, she the shekel of the sanctuary. Oh my. Everything they did, they measured it by the house of God. Even in the new covenant, you do know Acts is after Calvary. You do know Acts is after the ascension. You do know Acts is where the church is starting. And he said, it was a Sabbath day's journey. Even in the New Testament... There were some rules that he expected them to live by. And he said, I want you to build your life that it's close enough to the house of God. That's when it's time to be in the house of God. That you're never too far away. That you cannot make it to the house of the Lord. This is not, I know, I feel it. I feel that resistance in the room this morning. I, I, feel, I know it's here because of what I've shifted to. But I, I, I please, please, please don't misconstrue what I'm saying this morning. But I didn't come here to make friends. I didn't come here for, for accolades. I came here this morning to tell somebody. This is not a new way of life. Maybe new to you. But God established this a long time ago. If you're going to be my child, everything in your life revolves around the house of God. Well, when I finally make enough money that I can quit working so much overtime, I'll be in church every time the doors are open. Don't lie to yourself. You'll never make that much money. Because when you make that much money, then you want a bigger house. When you get the bigger house, you got a bigger payment. I, I, I'm trying to close, but I want to tell you. God established this while they lived in tents. And apparently from what Luke said, after they got permanent houses, they still live by it. God said, if you will establish that before you're established... Then when I establish you, well, that, 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 that house is really not what Luke wanted. I mean, he was a physician. You know, these guys didn't care about whether the house was big enough or small enough. They said, I can add on to it later, but it's still got to be close to the house.
of God. <laughs> I'm, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying everything we tether ourselves to is the temporary. Everything. We tether ourselves to the temporary and expect eternal blessing. God. I wish instead of this callous in your heart and frustrating you and thinking pastor's preaching it at you today, I wish you'd let God melt your heart right now and say, God, I've needed a word like this that's drawn me closer. Listen, I'm not trying to draw you closer to this pulpit. I'm not trying to draw you closer to my, to my hip. I'm trying to draw you closer to the Lord today. And the only way to do that is let your life revolve around the kingdom of God instead of letting the kingdom of God fit in to what we're doing in our lives. Hey, I'm reaching for somebody. I want to save you. I'd, I would rather you live in the smallest house in the city and be saved. It matters. I'm closing. It matters where you build your house. See. Modern technology is a little different than it was back in the day. But in third world countries where they don't really have any choice, people still walk to church, you know. We're blessed we don't all have to do that. Especially on mornings like this. It was cold. I'm going to tell you something. Oh, God, help me right now. When we start measuring whether we're going to go to the house of God by whether or not we can afford the gas to go. Your house is too far. I'm always picking at my cousin, Josh, because we like warm weather. We like to play golf. We were gym class the other day, and I told him, I said, I'm about ready to just get on a plane today and go to Miami. It's hot. There's got to be some golf course. I don't care if it's just some little podunk. There's got to be somewhere I can play golf in Miami today, you know? I'm going to tell you, there's things that I love, things that I enjoy, but there is nothing in my life that I love like being in the house of God. Nothing. Nothing. I don't prove that to you by saying that to you. I prove that to you by being in the house when the doors are open. I, I love the house of God. Pastor, you know, I, I mean... I don't believe you have to go to church to be saved. Well, I don't believe you can be saved and not go. I'm sorry I don't. I just don't believe you can be saved and not be faithful. You can buy me a cheeseburger. We'll talk about it. But the Lord sent me here this morning. Bishop knows. He knows things in my heart today. We've talked about it just this morning. I'm not, I'm not preaching this with any motive other than I want to please God. But I'm going to tell you, folks, in 2023, God's checking some people's hearts and motives. He is. God's checking people's hearts and motives. And this is one of the things that he's checking this morning. He's checking by what you're measuring your success by. 
And if you're measuring your success by what you can afford in this life, you've got the wrong measuring stick. If you're measuring by your eternal reward, Jesus said, you're finally starting to see what I've been teaching you for three and a half years. He said, great is your reward. This is where I wanted it this morning. Some of you may have felt like, oh, pastor preached through his invitation there. He kind of lost us. No, I wanted it right here. Because... I'm not going to beg anybody, and I don't want anybody moving because you feel obligated, and I don't want anybody moving because you feel guilty. I wanted to bring this down to a conversation before this altar call, and this is what I want to tell you from the heart of your pastor. You wouldn't love me if I lied to you. You, you wouldn't love me if I just preached happy doctrine all the time. I've come this morning to be your pastor. I've come this morning to preach to you what I believe is not only my heart, but the heart of God. And I want to tell you, Jesus taught it like this. If you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else that you need, he said, will be added to you. I, Pastor, I just can't, I can't make it. I, I just can't. I, there's no way that I can make it. Try God. Because he's, he's either going to lie to you and you're going to be the first person in history that he's ever lied to. Or he's going to show up and be true to his word. These kind of altar calls are as awkward for me as they are everybody in this room. But I'm going to tell you, I couldn't, I couldn't scream my way into this altar call. I had to bring us to this level right here because I'm, I'm reaching for somebody in this room. that I told you at the beginning, you've been in a wrestling match. And today I feel like the anointing of Joshua has rested on me just long enough to stand before you and say, Ladies and gentlemen, choose you this day. Whom you will serve. Will it be the God of your fathers on the other side of the flood? Or if it's going to be the one that has proven to you he will be faithful. He will take care of you. He is mindful of your needs. Are you hearing, Pastor, this morning? Come on, I, 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 there's no way that I could just preach this to you. Get you up on your feet and then make this make sense. I'm, I'm looking for somebody right now. If the musicians would please come. Looking for somebody right now that's not going to be moved by emotion. And you're not, you're not going to be moved by exhilaration. You're going to be moved by unction. The unction that you feel in your soul right now that says, Pastor, in 2023, I'm going to move my priorities even more so in the direction of the house of God. And the things that I've allowed to get between me and God, it's not going to happen this year. I'm tired of living with the anxiety of what tomorrow's going to bring. I'm tired of living anxious every day. I don't know what's going to... Listen, I'm just going to seek first the kingdom of God. And if I'll seek God first, everything else is going to fall into place. Listen, your business is going to grow. I'm, I'm prophesying to you. If you'll seek first the kingdom of God, your business is going to grow. You're not going to be in need of anything. God's going to take care of you. David did not say, I've never seen those that profess him to never be forsaken. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. These are the people that take God serious and say, Lord, whatever you require of me, I give myself to that right now. 
<laughs> God, I'm not trying to add you to my life. I want to make you my life and let you add to me the things that my life needs. Oh, I hope I'm making sense to somebody this morning. Lord, while I'm dwelling in this temporary tent, I want to make your kingdom the center of my life so that when I enter into the promised land, it's still the center. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Come on, let his spirit reach to you this morning. God, I, I put you second. I put you third. I've, I pushed you off, Lord, and I'm sorry. But today, at the beginning of this year, I'm bringing some things into alignment. And I'm building my house closer to your kingdom than it's ever been. Listen, I haven't preached this to make you feel bad today. I preach this to tell you how much God loves you. He wants you close to Him, He wants you close to His presence. you continue to pray this morning I want to ask you how long does it take for it to feel normal when you used to be in the house of God every service but then after a while it just gets easier and easier and easier to not be with God you used to pray every day every morning every evening but now like after a couple weeks it just gets a little bit easier I'm not praying like I used to pray I used to fast every week. I don't ever fast anymore. How long does it take for that to feel normal? The Spirit of God is reaching for you today. Say, redefine normal. Build your life around my kingdom. Build your life around my house. Build your life around my word. Build, build, build your family in the house of God.